Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise God. I feel like the Lord has given me something to preach this morning, and um, I think it is for us and for now. I'm not going to preach a new message. I'm not going to say perhaps anything that many of you have not heard before. I'm not re-preaching a message. I'm just going back to a familiar text. But I do feel prompted of the Lord to go here. And uh, if there's anything I've learned through the years, it is just to obey those little nudges of the Spirit. And uh, I'm going to just, uh, I know customarily we stand for the reading of the Word of God, but I'm going to ask you to just remain seated. I'm going to do a little bit more reading than I generally do. But if you will join me in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6, and uh, we'll begin there. All these scriptures will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can join us. But I want to encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Amen. It's a wonderful thing to have this access, um, but you need something that you can hold in your hand, underline. Bring a Bible to church you don't mind writing in. Underlining. Amen. And I have some study Bibles. I don't want to ever underline anything or highlight anything because it draws our eyes and attention back there. And sometimes we can miss things around it. So, uh, but bring a Bible to church that you can write in and uh, bring something to write with and write on. And uh, even if the preacher doesn't say anything worth writing down, the Lord will. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Brother Everett Bird, this morning for a great message. I appreciated that word of the Lord. I got to thinking about how wonderful it was that the Lord spared him from possibly going to prison for stealing that telephone booth and throwing it in the river. Having been involved in prison ministry all these years, many, many years, I just wondered how that conversation would play out if he was sitting kind of out there on the courtyard in a prison. These big, tough, tattooed, brawny guys asked, what are you serving time for? I said, well, we stole a telephone booth and threw it in the river. Amen. I'd want a little bit bigger story than that, I think. <laughs> the grace of God. Amen. I thought just any moment he was going to break out singing, grace, grace, God's grace. Praise the Lord. The book of 2 Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Yuza and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drave, or they drove the new cart. 
And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments of fir wood, even on harps. And, uh, well, believe it or not, there we go. On psalteries and tambrels and on coronets and on cymbals. And when, the, when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled upon Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Amen. What, what an alarming passage of, of scripture this is and I, I'm confident if if your mind works anything like the average person's mind we wonder that seems like such a harsh response to such an innocent gesture why why would the Lord do something so radical in that in that regard and and I'm sure while we could offer a few possible suggestions to that, Nothing would quite settle our mind. However, one thing to consider is this, that everything used in the worship of God was to be set apart. It was hallowed. And so when you read in the book of Genesis and you read through Exodus and you find how that there were things and items that were set aside, utensils that you would probably find in a common household. But what made them uncommon was the fact that they had been dedicated to the service of the Lord. Amen. And so the new card, even though it was used in a respectful manner, it was not sufficient because it was not in alliance or in alignment to the word of God. That the ark was to be carried. It was destined to be carried. Certainly it was made in a mobile fashion, but it was to be carried a certain way. The ark was to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites. And so neglecting this, overlooking this, was the cause of the death of Uzzah. But if we go on now in chapter 6 to verse number 9, the Bible says, and David was afraid of the Lord that day. Well, I guess so. I mean, if something happened on your watch and somebody puts their hand on the ark to stabilize it, to protect it. And the Bible says of you that he died there by the ark. He died right there. This wasn't like an affliction that came on him that took 90 days to take him out. It was something that happened in a moment of time. And the Bible says David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he says, so how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So if this is not how you do it, then how are we supposed to do it? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but he carried it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all of his household. And it was told the king, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so, verse 13 is critical, it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord 
Amen. They that bear the ark of the Lord. When they had gone six paces, they sacrificed oxen and failings. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David girded with a linen, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Amen. And from verse 13, I want to just pull a few words as my subject today. Amen. The Bible talks about they that bear the ark of the Lord. And so if God will help me for a few moments, I want to talk about they that bear the ark. Somewhat an age-old story before us today. The story of David moving the ark of God back to Jerusalem. It's a timeless truth of how the Lord commanded the ark to be moved, but he just was not so desperate for it to be moved that it could be moved just any old way. Amen. It was a timeless truth that should echo in our heart here today on this very first day of 2023. I believe that it was and then and it remains a reminder that we simply cannot do our own thing when it comes to the service of the Lord. I'll just give God what I want and God's going to be so desperate and so hungry that he'll just take whatever I toss his way. That is absolutely not how it works. We can't do whatever we want to do and then just cross our fingers and assume that God is just going to settle for it. Amen. He is our father and we are referred to as his children, but there are things that God is going to require of us. The ark was to be carried on the shoulders of chosen men, not just any man. This is not just an any man job. This is not just kind of find somebody walking down the sidewalk that doesn't look busy. Somebody looks like they like, like have a few free moments on their hand. No, these had to be chosen men, a certain tribe. It was symbolic of, of mankind feeling the weight and the responsibility of the work of the kingdom of God. Amen. I, I realize that we, we do come to the house of the Lord and uh, we come here and one of the goals that we have is that we would leave here being feeling lifted up, feeling better, feeling strengthened and, and encouraged by not only our fellowship but encouraged by the songs of praise and worship and hopefully encouraged by the word of God. But you see, there should be an ebb and a flow to every service. I, yes, I believe that we should come to the house of God and if we are weighted down with some of the cares of life, perhaps we should feel that weight lifted off of us, that particular weight lifted off of us and energized by our worship and encouraged by our fellowship and strengthened by the word of God. But I believe that if we walk out of this house and we are are just trying to see how high we can be and how free we can be. We have missed one major part of what this is all about. I believe that when we come into the house of God, there should be some things shared with us that help remove the scales from our eyes and, and it clears the fog out of our mind and we realize when I walk out of here, amen, I have a responsibility to propagate this gospel. That's not just left up to the licensed ministers. That's not just left up to those who occupy pulpits and, and those 
that are called pastor or preacher or evangelist or missionary. No, no, every child of God should feel the weight and the burden and the responsibility. Amen. That if I don't tell them, how will they know? I want the words of the song that says, you never mentioned Jesus to me to burn in our heart. Hallelujah. What a shame it would be for us to work beside someone day in and day out, week in and week out, and let weeks turn to years and years to decades, and we have never shared with them the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and what repentance and water baptism can do in the name of Jesus Christ and what it can do to their life to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We ought to walk out feeling encouraged, yes, but we ought to walk out feeling soberly challenged by the weight of the word of God and its responsibility. Amen. So it was those that bear the ark. It was those that would feel the gnawing of that into their shoulder, symbolic of us feeling the weight of his presence, the responsibility of the kingdom's call. It's man feeling the burden and the will of God. It is humankind, if I may be so bold to say it this way, it is humankind putting a little skin in the game. We got a little bit invested here ourselves. When David heard that the presence of the ark in the house of Obed-Edom was bringing a blessing to the household of Obed-Edom, it wasn't jealousy that prompted him to go get the ark and take it home. It wasn't jealousy that prompted him to do what should have been done. It was a reminder that I have built a place. I have built a tent. I have a place already prepared for this ark. And somehow we got off in this first attempt. There is a blessing that comes with the presence of God. And that blessing is mine. Amen. That blessing is ours collectively. And it doesn't just belong to the house of Obed-Edom. And so he said, I need that blessing for the people and for the nation. You see, in truth, it belonged to be where it was headed. Hallelujah. The books of First and Second Chronicles, they are books of history. And if you know your scripture, then you understand that. But First and Second Chronicles are historical snippets of stories that have been shared in other places. And the, and the, the book of First and Second Chronicles, I think it's important for us to understand that when we're reading the books of First and Second Chronicles, that these chronicles were written from a, a priestly viewpoint. They were written from the viewpoint of the priest. And so because of that, uh, because of that, uh, there is sometimes a much fuller record, if I could put it that way. And so it certainly is applicable to the story at the center of our table today. Amen. The story found in the book of Samuel that I read to you this morning can also be found in these books of Chronicles. And I'm going to read from those in just a few moments. Amen. But here we're going to see some colors that are a little more vivid, lines that are painted in a little more tightly. David was now determined. We got to get the ark back to where it belongs. But David also was understanding that we got to do God's work, but we got to do it his way. I just want to back up this morning and I want to say it one more time. Amen. We can't come to church and do what we want to do. We can't be so determined and so rigid and so stiff that we say, no, 
we already had these three songs planned? Nope. I already studied and have this sermon prepared? Nope. We already, this is what the order of the day was going to be? No. We want to have a plan when we walk in this house. But the greater plan, there's always a greater plan. And the greater plan is to say, Lord, have your way. And I'm going to tell you, when the Spirit of the Lord starts moving, it doesn't matter how long I've studied. It doesn't matter how long any other preachers in our church has studied. Amen. We have learned that we're just going to shut the book and this will keep for another day. It'll keep for another time because we got to do God's service God's way. Oh yeah, we can press on. Oh yeah, we can push on and do our will and do our thing. We can, we can keep pressing and do whatever we want to do but it's not going to have a good outcome. Amen. So he was determined, I'm going to do God's work God's way and so with that he sent the Levites back on this 10-mile trip to the house of Obed-Edom. Now, their job was pretty straightforward. It is to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. But again, this time, we can't just do this in the old way. We got to do this God's way. And God's way, God's way is we got to find those chosen men. And we got to put that on their shoulders. Amen. And, and, and so the Bible talks about the Levites pausing after six paces and they would offer sacrifices. And at these intervals, the Bible talks about David dancing with all of his might before the Lord. According to 2 Samuel 6 and 4, the Bible tells us that David was dressed for this occasion. Amen. He didn't just go out there and start dancing because he thought he was a great dancer. He wasn't doing that because... He thought that, you know, I'm just going to entertain the troops on our way home. No, no. Amen. He wore a priestly linen ephod. Amen. Later, you know, if you know the story, you know that his wife accused him. And she said, you have shamed yourself before all of Israel. You have shamed yourself before all of these people. And she even says, you shamed yourself because you've exposed yourself. And that kind of leaves us with a false impression. And it certainly leaves us with a false picture in our mind. But a According to 1 Chronicles 15 and 27, it says that he was wearing a royal robe under that ephod. Amen. David wasn't out here breaking the law. David wasn't out here doing something his own way. He already realized this is not going to work. We got to do this God's way. But you see, David, even though he was not of the tribe of Levi, David was acting as both a king and a priest. What a unique picture of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6 beginning about verse number 20 and all the way through the 8th chapter of Hebrews amen. and then we find it again in the book of Psalms in 110 uses the phrase a unique phrase after the order of Melchizedek after the order of Melchizedek the Hebrews writer mentions that David mentions that in Genesis 14, amen, where this reference comes from. In Genesis 14, it talks about the days of Abraham. And Melchizedek was both a king and a priest of Salem. And now here we find David after the order of Melchizedek that is worshiping as a king and he's worshiping as a priest on his way to Jerusalem. Amen, the procession was accompanied by these Levites and they were playing musical instruments and they were singing and songs of praise and adoration to the Lord but I'm going to tell you something amen I believe that while they were carrying this by way of obligation and while they were carrying this by way of 
calling. Amen. David's dance was not a dance. It was not an obligatory dance. David wasn't saying, well, if this is what you demand of me, this is what I'm going to give you. Amen. I believe that David's dance was personal. And I believe David's dance was sincere. And I'm going to tell you this morning, when you see somebody in the house of the Lord and they're worshiping God, before you draw a conclusion that they're out of order, amen, you need to know one thing. You don't know where the Lord has brought them from. And you have no idea the pit from which they were drug out of. You have no idea where grace and what grace has done in their life. And so before you fold your arms and before you point your finger and before you say, I think that was out of order and I don't think that was right, I'm going to tell you there is something on a well that's a wellspring that's bubbling in a soul that says, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was bound, but now I'm free. I once, I once was lost, but I'm on my way to heaven. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know like I know. Praise God. Amen. I believe that David had several things on his mind while he was dancing. He wasn't worried about exactly if his foot was in time. He wasn't worried about exactly if he was having the right placement of this or that. Amen. David was thinking about where he had been and where God had brought him from. I was just a young boy tending sheep on the backside of nowhere minding my own business. And before I know it, there was some holy anointing oil that was being poured over my head. And God God was taking me from the bottom to the top. God was taking me from nothing and making me something. I've got something to praise the Lord about. Amen. Amen. I've mentioned this many times through the years, but from time to time at the camp, at the campground, you'll see a elderly gentleman, amen, he may be running across the front of that building but I'll tell you this, before you think he's out of order, just remember this that man was in a wheelchair for 11 years and he couldn't move amen, it may look a little out of order to you, it may seem a little uncomfortable for some, but I'm going to tell you, I believe something in that man's heart said, I gotta thank God I just gotta thank God, I've gotta praise him, hallelujah it if we look at the record of 1 Chronicles, this is what we find. 1 Chronicles 15 and 15. And the children of, of the Levites bear the ark upon their shoulders with the staves thereon. As Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord, and David spake unto the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be singers with the instruments of music, psalteries, harps, cymbals, sounding, and by lifting up the voice with joy. Oh, there's so much preach right there. Amen. Amen. David said, this is how we're going to do it. We want the music and we want psalteries and harps and cymbals and sounding and, and, and amid all of that, we want your voice to be a part of that. We want you to be invested in this. Amen. But the verse 15, the Bible talks about bearing that ark of God upon their shoulders with the stays they're on. The shoulders with the stays they're on. These staves that went through the rings, the ark, if you have seen pictures, uh, symbols of the ark of the covenant, the ark of the covenant, this large box that had rings on the side of it. And so no man could just reach down and pick up the ark with their hands. But they ran these staves or these rods 
down through the side of the ark and they hung them in those rings and they lifted together in unison and then they placed the staves. Amen. The staves of the ark went through the rings of the side. But the real key is found in the fact that the weight of the ark rested on their shoulders. Hallelujah. Now, we understand today in 2023 that the ark of the covenant symbolizes the power and the authority of God. And so within the ark were the Bible says that the tables of stone are the word of God that had been given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Amen. You see the word of God was in this ark of the covenant and the word did not only need to be preserved in this ark but that that word need to be perpetuated to another generation now I believe this morning that that had the principle of that has not changed we don't have an ark of the covenant this morning we don't have those two tables of stone today but I believe that the word of God it must be preserved from generation to generation I, I know this has been said by different ministers in our services over the last few weeks but I just feel to say it again amen I believe that we are under a commandment and we should feel a commitment to the generation that's coming behind us that we don't just share with them of how God used to move and what God used to do I'll tell you when I first got in church the spirit of the Lord did this and the spirit of the Lord did that or when we first got in church this is what used to happen in our church services the hand of God would move the spirit of God would move I'm going to tell you if that's not happening in our church today then we're going to leave a generation behind us scratching their head amen they're going to be feeling short changed they're going to wonder why did God move for my mother or my grandmother or my aunt or my uncle but God seems silent for me today I will tell you that the word of God is rich and it's real and it deserves to be preserved it deserves to be kept but it also deserves to be shared it deserves to be perpetuated it deserves for somebody to say I'll pick this up I'll put it on my shoulder I'll carry it to another generation I'll get a hold of this word and I'll take it to an ear that has never heard it I'll take it to a heart that has never felt it I'll take it to a life that's never been changed by it oh hallelujah hallelujah Amen. Oh, oh. I honor. I honor they that bear the ark today. Amen. I honor they that bear the ark today. The word of God must still be preserved and it still must be preached. And so the question that should burn in our heart and mind today is this. Who will be that company that makes up they that bear the ark as we move into this new year and the years to come. Our church has been blessed now and all through the years with great saints of God. I say that without restriction. I say that without hesitation. Our church has been so blessed through the years with precious men and women that have stood the test of time. Amen. I'm not kidding you this morning. Our church is made up of men and women who have learned how to shout on the mountaintops high, but they've also learned how to walk through the valley low. 
Amen. You didn't just have to look for you didn't just look for them when things were going well in their lives. You could still look for them to walk in either of these doors when things weren't going well. Because they weren't just in the shouting team. Amen. They weren't just on the rejoicing team. They weren't just on the victory team. But I'm going to tell you when life pulled the rug out from under them and when, when, when a report came that was not easy to process and digest and when circumstances happened in their lives that changed and forever altered the course of their natural life, you know what they did? They didn't say, I'm going to stay home and sit this one out. They didn't say, I'm going to suck my thumb until I get better. Amen. I'm, going to, I'm just going to stay home and lick my own wounds until things seem to turn around no amen I've watched them walk in the doors of this church and I knew their heart had to be bleeding but when the music started somehow they got the strength to lift their hands and say he's an on time God yes he is they had the ability and the courage to stand up straight and to keep walking strong and say even though it didn't work out the way I wanted it to work out he's still God he's God of the mountain and he's God in the valley he's God when I'm winning and he's God when I'm losing he's God when everything's going my way and he's God when everything is washing out of my life hallelujah oh hallelujah those are they that bear the ark they realize, they realize, they realize that I have got a responsibility. Amen. I, I'm in a dry time. I'm in a dry season. I'm not jumping as high as I once did. I'm not jumping as high as I once did, but I'm going to tell you God hadn't changed. Amen. God is still God. I'm still going to love Him. I'm going to serve Him. Hallelujah. I'm still coming home at the end of the day. God these powerful men and women I want you to hear me now I'm not talking about Bible characters now I say that with great deference to all these precious men and women but right now I'm not preaching about Bible characters I'm preaching about people you know by name people that men and women that's been in your home in your life you have you've had the privilege to shake their hands you may know them personally you may be related to some of them amen these powerful men and women caught the vision and they understood the necessity of commitment in short you can count on them they're going to pray whether you preach prayer or not they're going to fast they're going to worship you don't have to have somebody up here with pom-poms cheerleading. No, no, we're going we're gonna to tap into this. We're going to be faithful to the work of God and we're going to be faithful to every worship opportunity that comes our way. And through the years, I've watched these elders come walking in this house when their body was failing them. The shoulders a little more bowed than they have been in decades past. Their pace, not quite what it has been in the past. Their bodies were weary. There's a very human and natural carnal side of me that thinks they probably, probably felt like physically staying home. There's probably a lot more effort to get dressed and, and make the drive and a lot more effort than it had been in times past. Their 
bodies were weary, but it touches my heart because their commitment to the house of God and the work of God is just absolutely immeasurable. We've watched them. We have watched them again and again and again. I'm touched. She's not here today, but I'm touched whenever Sister Yavane Townsend comes walking in this side door, which is her general entrance and exit path here. And I, I, I know there are times when it would have probably been easier to stay home. But she said, I, I made up my mind a long time ago. Amen. My, my heart was melted over and over again when Elder Bob Gibson would come rolling through that side door in a wheelchair. Amen. And sometimes, and I know this to be a fact, sometimes they started getting him ready at 5 o'clock in the morning. It would take that long for him to have to dress and rest and dress a little and rest and dress a little and rest because he wanted to be at church at 10. Amen. And then I ask us what keeps us healthy ones out of the way. Sometimes it don't take a big pebble in the path. Sometimes it don't take a big wrinkle in the in the thing to, to get us. No, no, no. I'm going to say, Lord, who are they that's going to bear this ark? Who are they in our tomorrows? Who are they in this year, in the years to come? I'm going to tell you, you can't wait till you get there to make that commitment. You can't wait till you get there to make up your mind. You got to make that decision today. Amen. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen. As for me and my house, when my body starts deteriorating, amen, when my steps start slowing down, when I can't lift my voice quite as high, I made up my mind. I'm going to do that now. Hallelujah. I'm going to go ahead and settle this now. I'm going to go ahead and make up my mind now. I'm not even there yet, but I'm going to go ahead and make this decision now. Now. <laughs> Amen. That's not something born in a moment. Amen. Don't wait till you get 60 to make that decision. You need to make that decision when you're 20, when you're 30, when you're 40. You need to make that decision now. Amen. Who will bear the ark as we move into our tomorrows? We are looking for the Lord to come. And I trust that he will. And it looks like world events all around us are, are all in line for that. But because you think the Lord's going to come, don't you reach up and throw everything in neutral. Amen. What if he doesn't come in your lifetime? What if he wants to use you tomorrow? What if, what if you've only got three or four more days? What, amen. But what are we going to do with those days? I don't want to try to coast through that time. Amen. I want to give my best. I want to give everything that I have. Today, God, I believe, is calling for another generation to come and step up a little bit closer so that we can ensure there is no gap. I don't want to meander too much, but I'm going to meander some. Amen. This morning, I, I can tell you that what we are fighting in our society, what we are fighting in our our culture, certainly in Western, in our, in our Western culture, is the fact that people are denying where they are in life. Anybody heard this? That forty is the new thirty. Did I get that right? Well, they keep moving that line. And fifty is a new forty. Sixty is a new fifty. No, it's not. I turned 60 earlier this year, or last year, I guess, May. I, I, I'm not fixing to take up a sympathy offering so you can relax here. But I'm just going to tell you, I got things hurt I didn't even know I owned. I 
I sit for a little while reading or doing whatever, and I get up, and I used to just get up and take off walking. I get up now, and I got to groan a little. <laughs> it takes a few little, oh, oh. My wife says, you all right? I said, yeah, I'm just trying to get to the kitchen. I'll be all right. Just, just give me a few. <laughs> Give me a few little warm-up paces. And I realize I'm not the oldest person in this building, but I'm just going to tell you the problem, and I'm not trying to be funny this morning, although there is some humor in this, but if we deny where we are, amen, then that means we. as long as you can deny where you are, that means that we don't have to have any responsibility for where we really are. And so we got grandparents that want to run off in the middle of the night and find somebody half their age to marry. And, and so they can be... Uh, this or they can be that. Amen. Don't get quiet on me now. Amen. Whenever there's a generation that deserves to have a granddaddy and they deserve to have a grandmother, they they deserve to have that voice. Amen. They don't need you driving a yellow Corvette somewhere. Amen. They just need you to... You drive whatever you want to drive, but you know what I'm talking about. They don't, they don't need you out here in, in make-believe world and la-la land. Amen. They need a grandpa that'll be a grandpa and a grandmother that'll be a grandmother and an uncle that'll be an uncle and an aunt that'll be an aunt and that'll be moral and they'll be spiritual and they'll be true and they'll be honest. Amen. I hope this is all right today. Amen. But I'm going to tell you that I believe God is calling another generation right here in this church so that we can ensure there is no gap between these generations. Ezekiel 22 and 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Oh God, don't let that be said of us in this 2023. 20, don't let that be said of us, Lord, that you're looking for something somebody to make up a hedge and we're too busy doing something else. Mm. Hallelujah. Oh. History teaches us that some fail to make up that hedge or stand in the gap. However, history also teaches us that some decided they would do just that. I'll pray. I'll be there. You can count on me. Amen. The end result is this. We're here. That's the end result. The end result is the fact that we are gathered in this house today and churches across our nation and around the world are filled with apostolic believers because somebody said, I'll make up the hedge. I'll stand in the gap. I'll go when nobody else will. I'll pray if nobody else does. That decision I said a moment ago cannot be made in a vacuum. It's not a decision that can wait for tomorrow. It's a decision that needs to be made today. And we need everyone in this church, hear me today, if you're a saint in this church, I am preaching to you, not your neighbor. I'm preaching to you, amen, that we need everybody in this church to cash it all in. Rise to the level that God is trying to call you to. And we must be willing to embrace the call that God has upon our lives. In just 13 days, the calendar will mark January the 14th. And that will also mark the 34th anniversary that God called my wife and our son here as the pastor and shepherd of this church. And we did not come here looking over the fence. We came here because we were sure that God has sent us here. Six months to the day, 
I was in a conference. And I've shared this story before, but it's been a while, but six months to the day, I was in a conference, was in a, a church conference, and toward the end of that service, I had come down to the front, was standing over to this side, a great friend, an evangelist, a man that I had a lot of confidence in that was often mightily used of God. He just stepped over to the side and he motioned for me to come out of the crowd up toward him. He did not make a spectacle. I'm sure unless somebody would just happen to be looking, they would have missed this whole thing. This was not about what a public display. This was just about a word that the Lord had given him. And so I walked over to where he was and he leaned down and he said, the Lord just told me that in six months there's going to be a major change in your ministry. And he said, I want to pray for you. And he laid his hands on us and prayed for us. Six months later, we were behind this pulpit as a pastor of this church. God had ordered our steps. Amen. In times of discouragement, amen, times when things weren't really going our way and times we felt a lot of opposition, spiritual and physical. But you see, I just couldn't escape moments like that where the Lord said, I'm sending you here. I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang on now. And so in times that seemed uncertain, what kept us focused was the fact that we knew God had planted us here. And so even when it's not easy and even when it's not fun, you just have to keep standing. You stand on the promise. Now, I'm thankful that God sends ministers to churches, but I don't believe that God just sends ministers to churches. I believe God calls saints to a church. Amen. I don't think God just anoints pulpits and fills pulpits, but I believe God anoints pews and fills pews. And so it was God that placed all of us here in this house, and that doesn't mean us four and no more, but it is God that will continue to plant people in this house because the scripture says he set up the solitary into families. It was God's divine idea. Therefore, I want to be and I want to stay committed. And I am determined not to give God or you a partial effort in that. I want to wake up every day and ask God afresh, Lord, help me feel the weight and the responsibility of the kingdom of God. You know, there's just, when you're responsible for something, you have a completely different outlook on it. So I'm going to say a few things that will probably appeal to some men here, some fathers and husbands, and I'm not trying to, uh, to, to speak in any disrespect to anybody that doesn't fall into that category, and I don't want any ladies here to be offended by what I'm about to say. How was that? But when our son was born, it was a great time of rejoicing. We were thrilled beyond words. I couldn't hardly, no way to put that in words. But in the back of my mind, as a husband and as now a father, one of the things that was on my mind was how are we going to pay this hospital bill? <laughs> Amen. 
Come on, guys, don't be a chicken. Leave me out here by myself. Don't be afraid. Let's make the journey together. Oh, this is great and wonderful. But I'd already seen the little care package of diapers they were sending us home with. That wasn't going to do it. And so beneath all of that joy was a weight. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm trying to liken and pull into this today. Oh, yes, they're going to be shouting on the hills of glory. Oh, yes, when the saints go marching. And oh, yes, when we all get to heaven. But in the meantime, we need to wake up every day with a sobering weight and feel the responsibility of the kingdom. For you and I, that kingdom responsibility plays out. You know, we talk about the kingdom of God. That sounds real mystical and far, far away. But you see, for you and I, the kingdom responsibility plays out through the vehicle of the local church. And so this morning, I'm reaching for everyone to be more committed to this church than you have ever been. Let's go back to those days when nothing would keep us from prayer, nothing would keep us from fasting, nothing would keep us from Bible study, nothing would keep us from personal devotion. Let's get back to that day when nothing would keep us out of the house of God. i got to get there. Amen. I, I, the God's been too good to me. Amen. Let's commit ourselves to the work of God. Amen. Not to just the church, but I'm asking you to commit yourself to this church. Amen. If this is your church home. And so today is what we refer to as Commitment, <clears throat> commitment Sunday. And I want to repeat something that I, that I said in February of 22. I know that we historically place a lot of emphasis on our building fund and our missions pledges, and those things are important. Those are very, very important. I personally have never lost my dream. I'm not going to forget the dream that God has given me, the work that He's going to continue to do right here, and this is not the sum total of it. This is not the sum total of it. But I feel stirred in my heart today in a twofold fashion. So while we are going to make our giving commitments this morning, the real issue is this. It won't matter what we commit to monthly if God doesn't have our undivided heart. You see, this is not something you can just send a check in to. What I'm talking about this morning, you can't just hit auto pay and take care of what we're talking about this morning. And, and, just, and just let money flow into an account somewhere and you're unaccounted for. It won't work that way because that's not what we're talking about. Amen. God wants our heart. God wants our heart. And that's what I want to underline this morning. I could have, I could have said that that April 8th, 1985 evening, I could have said that Monday evening, well, you know, uh, Jackie, you and Justin, I want to wish you the best, and I'm going to make sure that every month I put money in your account and everything's going to be there. You won't ever, If ever you need anything, you just call me and let me know, and it'll be there, and I'll just see you when I can. You see, what we're talking about is marriage and family and husband and father and, and, and wife and mother. And you can't do that from a distance. 
she doesn't have one thing in writing, not one thing in writing that tells me that I've got to come home every night. I looked this week to make sure. I want to just hurl that out there without just checking. Not one scratch of anything. So I could just said, I'm just going to help you from over here. I'm going to live at mom and dad's. You just, y'all do the best you can. Because what we're talking about don't work that way. And what I'm talking about today doesn't work that way. Amen. What I'm talking about takes us, skin. Skin in the game, flesh. It takes, I'm talking about they that bear the ark. Can I tell you today that it only stands to reason that the men that were employed to carry the ark of the covenant went home at the end of the day and they couldn't hardly even touch their shoulders. Somebody come along and say, how are you doing? Oh, 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 hey, hey, hey. So what have you been doing? I've been carrying the ark. It was callous. They were worn. Amen. Because that's who they were. And so I pray today that we commit ourselves to the basics, plain and simple, prayer, fasting, the reading of God's word, devotional time, faithfulness to the house of God. Those are powerful combinations, but it needs to be a combination. Amen. So we're recommitting ourselves to the Lord. Today is also our communion service, and if you're here as a guest, you're more than welcome to have communion with us. And if you don't feel that comfortable with that, that's all right as well. And in just a few moments, not right now, but in just a few moments, our ushers are going to be coming around. We have some very, this is very what I consider a special moment in our service because communion is not just a religious ceremony. It's a statute in the Bible and there's many things that it accomplishes in our lives. Communion brings us into the presence of God and communion helps us deal with our sin and it helps us restore fellowship with God. Amen. And it helps us to restore fellowship with one another. And so we've been talking about our commitment Sunday and so we're not springing anything on anybody today. We've been talking about communion. We've been talking about this for over a month being on this day. We're not springing anything on anybody. It gives us plenty of time that we can make things right with God. It's a fresh start. For those of you that are old enough to remember the Etch-A-Sketch. Amen. I'm going to tell you that I believe I'm among some people that have created some mean stares on those Etch-A-Sketches. But when we got all through, we just held them over our head and just shook it. And it cleared the screen and it gave us. And that's what today is. It's, it's shaking. It's cleaning. It's clearing. It's a memorial. First we take part of the bread, symbolic of Christ's body that's broken for us. Speaks to us about the, the death of Christ. It was a death full of suffering which paid for our sins. And then the Bible says that he took the cup and the bread and transformed them, those common items, into a meaningful spiritual experience for all believers. However, the value of this experience depends on the condition of the heart of those that participate. Sadly, you've heard me say this many times through the years, and God gives me breath, I hope to say it every time. Sadly, through the years, I've heard people say in times past, hopefully not long, no longer, but, you know, I don't feel worthy to take communion today, I'm, I'm, so I'm not going to take communion. Why? Why not fix whatever's wrong? 
Let's just fix what's wrong. If it would be large enough to keep you from taking communion, it may be large enough to keep you out of heaven. Amen. Let's fix what's wrong. If it's something wrong between me and the Lord, we got to fix this. Something wrong between me and someone else, we got to fix this. Amen. Let me talk to some married folks here this morning. You ever had that awkward conversation that starts out like this? Can we talk? No pots, no pans, no knives. Can we just talk? Amen. You know what that's always followed by? Sure. Sure. Let's talk. It may get awkward. We may change our mind about the pots and pans or want to change our mind about pots and pans. That's how we get through it because there's an elephant in the room and I'm tired of living with it. So we've got to move it out. Amen. We've got to move it out. Communion gives us an opportunity for spiritual growth and blessings and, and we approach it, especially if we approach it with the right attitude. And so let's consider those things. I'm going to ask our musicians to come, our singers if they will. I'm going to also ask our ushers to prepare to serve our communion. And I'm just going to say again, if you'd like to participate, please do. They'll gladly serve you. And while they do, I'm going to make some closing comments. I've said often that communion is a time for observation. It gives us a chance to look around. And uh, we should look back because it reminds us of a body that was broken and given for us. The cup reminds us of his shed blood. I believe communion also gives us an opportunity to look ahead. The Bible says observe the Lord's Supper until he comes. Until he comes. And so the return of Jesus Christ is, is not only the hope of the church, but it's the hope of us as individuals. And then I believe that we should look within. We should examine our own heart, judge our sins, confess them to the Lord. Because if we'll not judge our own sins, then we leave it up to God and He will. But don't leave here with something undone in your life. You're in the presence of one that has the power to change. I know that perhaps you've heard me or others refer to this, but it does seem like such a sad intersection that when, when those judgmental men brought the woman called in adultery and they cast her at the feet of Jesus and said, according to the law of Moses, she's supposed to be stoned. And Jesus writes in the sand, you know the story perhaps, and then, and then he says, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And I know it was a miracle in the sense that this lady's life was changed, saved. But think about with me, the saddest part is that apparently everybody standing there had sin in their lives because they all walked away. And they're standing within arm's reach of the Savior. And so here we are today within arm's reach. Why would we walk out with what we walked in with? Amen. It's impossible to get closer to the Lord at the same time being further separated from people that we worship with. Because the identity of the church is summarized in one verse, John 13 and 35. By this shall all men know you're mine. <laughs> By this. And that is your love one to another. 
I'm going to ask you to stand. Praise God. And I want us to just take a few moments. I don't think our prayers should be measured in time, nor should our prayers be measured in words. Because when Elisha prayed the prayer of fire from heaven in on Mount Carmel, it was not a long prayer. It was not a wordy prayer. Amen. It was a powerful prayer. And so I'm just going to ask us to take a few moments and let's just pray and ask God to help us as we step into this new year. If we have things that are wrong in our lives, let's ask God to help us to get it right. Amen. Wrong with others in the church or uh, in our lives. Let's ask God to help us to get it right. Can we lift our voices now? Amen. And pray. Let's ask God to touch us today. Lord, I love you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.